As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Happy Sunday. Great to see you. No soccer, no golf. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, bro. play halfway through the game. How about that? Or through the match here. All right, welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2. On the right is John Hancock. Morning, everyone. And on the left is Michael Kelly. Morning. Happy Sunday. All right, big story this week, immigration and family separation. You already know that. Everyone's aware of the zero-tolerance border policy that came to a head over the past couple of weeks. So this week, the president signed an executive order stopping a policy that he pretty much put in place in the first place. Now, here's what he had to say late this week about it. It's been going on for 60 years. 60 years, nobody's taken care of it. Nobody's had the political courage to take care of it, but we're going to take care of it. It's been going on, it's been going on for a long time. Okay, so what he signed, though, apparently caused even more confusion. Still not going to fix the issue, so that didn't take care of the issue. Who wants to go first? Michael, well, I will. I mean, first one. of all, the president continues to lie, saying this has been going on for 50 years. No, this is a policy that you chose to implement. Yes, the law may have been that way, but it was him. Then to have an executive order, like he did something significant, repealing his own enforcement of the policy, it just is this, it's the further lying circus that is Donald Trump. And what's even more interesting is he continues to blame the Democrats for this problem. And it was this week, not once, but twice, the Republicans took up bills in the House for immigration reform, which they have 100% of the votes to be able to pass, and were unsuccessful in doing it. This is a Republican issue. He can't get his Republicans in line. We're either going to be a country that controls its borders and regulates this population and monitors who we do and do not allow in, or let's just open the borders and let anybody come on in here. And, and I don't think anybody in this country wants that. Uh, this is a human tragedy. You've got these people flowing into the United States illegally. And uh, now, should we have taken the children away and separated them? No, that, that shouldn't have happened. And we've fixed that now. Uh, but the, the, one of the problems is that over the last decade, 70,000 of these asylum cases are queued up, haven't been adjudicated yet. 70,000. And it, we, we're going to have to get control of our border so that we can then address the, 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 the immigration issue, the John, illegals that are here, and stopping the flow of illegals. We had out. a bipartisan fix, which the president requested get done. The Republicans Democrats got together in the United States Senate, had a piece of legislation, did exactly what the president asked, went over to the White House, said this is what we're going to pass, and he opposed it because it didn't build his wall and that Republicans right. were a part of the piece of legislation. This would have been solved. This is a problem that Donald Trump himself has created. You can't address the immigration issue effectively until you secure the border. So dealing with DACA by itself is not a fix because as long as that flow continues coming in, you haven't dealt with the problem. You, you, you seal the border first and then you, you pass comprehensive. So a bill that doesn't address the border is it an immigration bill? It doesn't address the problem. Okay, two points here very quickly. People say, so why is it different now than what it used to be? Well, I talked to an immigration attorney this week, and he said it was never zero tolerance. So that's probably why the numbers went up. So why did it all hit the fan this week? 
Let's go back to how this started about 10 days ago, I believe, from this point. Here's a tweet from former Obama speechwriter John Favreau. He writes here, the problem more or less is Donald Trump's problem. You see this picture. The problem with this tweet is, as we now know, this image was from 2014 when Obama was in office and John Favreau was working for President Obama. There are some differences in how the kids back then were being detained versus the ones now. But the bottom line is, Michael, Democrats didn't march. They didn't have protests back in 2014. Oh. So it must have meant it was okay under a Democrat. No. Now under a Republican, it's no, not. No, that's not it's true. A, it's, it's, and it's and Barack Obama did brag about the enforcement at the border. And, of course, the Republican said it wasn't true. And he had been enforcing he and was sending more folks back. Numbers he was. But he was not separating families and then using biblical reasons to justify it. I mean, this is one of the most immoral things we've seen ever. And to watch the silence from the Republican leadership in this point, and then seeing Republicans like Ted Cruz, who's no shrinking liberal, to come out and say, this is immoral and we're going to change it. Yeah, the Republican leadership wasn't silent on yeah, this. Yeah, they were. No, they weren't. And, and they spoke out about separating the kids. Now, understand, this is, this is an outrage. The 2014 picture to try, and, to try and make a political point against Donald Trump. And then it comes out late in the week that the Time magazine cover of the crying child and, and President Trump, you know, the Time magazine cover, that that kid had not and was not separated from its mom and dad. It, you know, this whole thing, there's, there's a lot of fraudulent information out there being purported to just for the purpose of attacking Donald Trump. Okay, so the immigration attorney that I talked to, and uh, he's kind of a nonpartisan guy, and he said he thinks this is Trump doctrine. I thought this was very interesting. He said, find a problem, make it way worse, then negotiate something closer to what you want. Do you think this is all a part of a negotiation by the president to find this problem, make it worse, and then scale it back and then say, now I'm getting what I want? Because that has happened know. in some other instances. I, the, the optics of this thing were bad. It's not good. The, the, politics, the optics and the politics were bad. This was a Stephen Miller, inspired by all accounts, a Stephen Miller-inspired policy that started in April. Uh, I think maybe the calculation was to get people to the table, but the optics were so bad, it, it didn't work out yeah. well. And giving the president credit for eight-dimensional chess is ridiculous. There's only one dimension he cares about, and that is himself. And that has been his policy from day one, which is to inject himself in every story. And, and it, yeah, I'm like, come on. Now, whether anything will happen from a legislative standpoint, I doubt it, because there is a soundbite floating around of presidents all the way back to Reagan saying Congress needs to fix this issue. So if Reagan... Well, Bush. Isn't it interesting? Clinton. Everybody has if said it, and it's never been fixed. If only Republicans had control of both <laughs> of uh, houses of Congress to be able to do that, and the White House. And I Democrats mean, did back then too. It, do does, it. it doesn't sound like an issue. Do it, that Mr. Wants President. To be you have the votes. Sixty you have votes the in the Senate. John, they can't pass it in the House. That's a fine talking point. But a lot more pressure goes on the Democrats in the in the Senate if the Republicans can pass something in the House. That's not happening. Well, the Senate can start the process as well, and you're not going to get a bill unless you've got 60 votes in the Senate. That's the bottom line. All right, another big national issue this week, impact in Missouri, Chinese tariffs. I heard you guys talking about it on the radio. Business down in the boot heel could go out of business because of the tariffs. That company makes nails, and that could jack up their prices. Michael, the owner of this business, is an interesting part of this story here. He is a Republican, correct? Yeah, he's Senator Mike Leibla. And it's interesting, he was a big supporter of Donald Trump. Missouri went by 19 points for Donald Trump. And the policies that Donald Trump, remember, he ran on two platforms. One, 
I'm going to build a wall. <laughs> well, well done. And he's going to make America great again and bring jobs back to the United States. In fact, Donald Trump's running jobs out of Missouri. We're losing jobs in agriculture because of, a, of what Donald Trump's done. And now Mike Leibla, a person that he, that he was a huge supporter of, is about to lose his business on Labor Day because policies that Donald Trump has put in place Making America great, huh? You know, John, what's interesting, though, this Trump policy, whether he puts the tariffs actually in place or not, is kind of contrary to economic conservatism, which I know you are. Right. This stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work well for tariffs conservatives in business. Tariffs don't work. Now, lowest un unemployment rate we've seen in many, many years. The economy is humming. Businesses are creating jobs out there. Tell that but, to the farmers and the people he's putting out Tariffs of are bad. Tariffs are taxes. And, and the people that pay taxes are consumers. And in this instance, because Doug Leibler, who makes nails out of steel, if you put a 25% tariff on steel, he can't procure steel and compete anymore. He goes out of business. That's, that's, the, that's the result of tariffs. Now, it's possible that Donald Trump is using this tariff and the threat of tariff to negotiate freer, fairer trade with other, with other countries. I'm just saying that I'm still hopeful that the tariff is a, is a negotiating tool and not a policy decision. Because if it's a policy decision, it's bad policy. If that's true, that goes back to that Trump doctrine. Find a problem, make it way worse, scale it back, and say this is exactly what I want. Well, wanted. we'll see. We'll okay. see. Find out. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the governor appoints a new lieutenant governor just before he heads off to meet with St. Louis area leaders, and then the president. One problem, is it legal? We'll debate that and some comments about Metrolink getting safer. That's straight ahead. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. We have a new governor. You guys are BFFs, aren't you? You guys tight? I'm a, I'm a fan. Okay, there you go. Also, a new lieutenant governor. Fan? A big fan. Went to high school here in St. Louis, by the way, the lieutenant governor. Senator Mike Kehoe went to CBC, I believe, because you have to point Shamanad. out every set. Shamanad. Oh, Shamanad, my bad. Now I got people mad at me, so you oh, got to yeah. point out a high school somewhere. Has been appointed lieutenant governor by Governor Mike Parson. But we've also been reporting for the weeks leading up to this moment that there is no mechanism in the Missouri Constitution to fill that spot. So right after the appointment, the Missouri Democratic Party sued to try and block the appointment. Even former Democratic Governor Jay Nixon put out a statement reading, Missourians are best served by having a lieutenant governor in office. In 1992, Missouri voters added significant additional duties to that office that would be unmet if that position remained vacant. Also, Missouri's unique succession laws could cause constitutional challenges if the governor becomes disabled when the lieutenant governor's office remains vacant. As Attorney General and later Governor, I researched this issue and extensively and firmly believe the Governor has the authority to fill a vacancy in this office by appointment. Okay, that's what, that's what Jay Nixon has to say. I, I've looked over the whole thing, too. I disagree. I don't think it's in the Constitution. You've been a part of this. What are your thoughts here? Is this going to hold up? Well, it's badly written law. Uh, so the Constitution says there shall be a Lieutenant Governor. The statutes provide no mechanism to replace the governor, the Lieutenant Governor. They don't call for a special election. Uh, they say the governor shall fill all vacancies except for state house, state senate, some county offices, and lieutenant governor for some reason. See, but that's but very then, clear to me. No, that's it's clear. not clear because they make provisions then to fill all of those other offices. There's no provision to fill a lieutenant governor. You can't call a special session. There's no authorization. So the question is, if there shall be a lieutenant governor, which is what the Constitution says, the only mechanism is for the governor to fill that vacancy, and that was the legal decision of the Parson yeah. administration and a bipartisan decision. So everybody's right here. It may not be legal, but it's essential. And it is a good thing that the governor filled it. It's also a good thing that the Democrats are challenging it. This needs to get decided by the courts so that we can fix this. We just went through a year nightmare 
which showed us the importance of having a lieutenant governor. We cannot be in limbo during this time. At the same time, this needs to be cleared up, and the courts may very well say he does not have that authority to do that, and they could force a special election. Well, they, and if that's going to be the case, then so be it. So everybody's right here. Yeah, I don't. I think, also think it's interesting the Republicans are using Jay Nixon <laughs> as a mouthpiece well, to support anything that, that they want to get but Roger done. Roger Wilson did this, right? right. He became well, of governor, he appointed yeah. Maxwell. Right? Was it Maxwell yeah. then? And but then that, there was an election. But then they said then. We have to get this fixed. There's right. nothing on law. And nothing was done. Again, this is like immigration. Well, they tried. I mean, they've tried to fix it and clarify it. But there's only two options here. Either the governor has the authority to appoint the lieutenant governor or the lieutenant governor's seat oh. stays vacant until 2020. And the Democrats did try to fix it by making it a special election. Yeah. Who vote or who vote <laughs> or I mean, by having it be an appointment like Roger Wilson did. Who voted against that? The Republicans. Right. No, Mike Parson and Mike Keogh. That's true. That's true. Well, we've only had since, what, 1821 to get this one fixed. <laughs> this is bad law. Oh. All right, Governor Parson did have a busy week. He picked the number two guy, met with state leaders, governors, even the president. And, of course, the big issues here in St. Louis, one of them, anyway, was crime. He met with area leaders about ways to make the St. Louis area safer. Here's what Chief John Belmar said after that meeting about Metrolink. Crime in St. Louis County on Metro is down 47%. That's in St. Louis County, crime on Metro. In St. Clair County, it's down... I think 46%, and in St. Louis, it's down 22%. Okay, some point out the crime may be down because ridership is down. All right, your thoughts on this? Well, I, know, I know it's a big talking point here, but it is an issue because we well, even... Go ahead, Mike. Crime I'll, is going down, um, and ridership is going down, right. and it, that very well may be related. We had a governor who's been delinquent, the, the previous governor who was delinquent in his duties for over a year and not accepting the appointments and picking from the names that were given to them by the appointing authorities, the mayor of the city of St. Louis and the county executive. Governor Parson is working to fix that problem, and maybe we can fix the crowd problem on the Metrolink even better. A lot of what we're dealing with in St. Louis is not only a crime problem, but a perception of a crime problem. A and the way we fix that is to start to use the structural resources we have to do that. And hopefully Governor Parson's going to lead that. You know, John Belmar uh, under Prop P was able to increase the presence of St. Louis County officers assigned to that Metro beat. And crime is down. I mean, 47 percent or 44, whatever number it was, that's a substantial reduction in crime. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think, you know, you're going to need several quarters of that before the public begins to feel safer again, but you got to start somewhere. Okay, so I crunched some numbers this week. 17.5 million riders in 2014, 14.9 million in 2017, so in what, three years you're down 2.6 million. 7,100 people a day is what that calculates out to, not taking Metro. So we had one of those St. Louis moments this week. We're talking about going to a Cardinal game. Eh, not going to take Metro, just never know. Then we're talking about going to the City Museum for the summer. Eh, don't want to park down there, we'll get our car bashed. My wife says, well, I'm going to take the girls down to the zoo. They have a night event coming up. All of our friends there said, don't park in the, in the, in the in Forest Park. Think about, that's ours, right? And I know this city. I love this city. Right. If that's my perception and my thoughts, I'm not going down there because of these issues. What is that doing to the well, town economically? Unfortunately, it is a perception. There has been that reality in the past. As a result of the past, it gets an even higher focus when something bad does happen. Things are changing. Downtown is being is safer. The Metrolink is safer. There are more cops on the street. We've got a long mountain to climb, but things are getting better. But we've got a lot of work to do. Oh, got a lot. Got oh. Indeed. Mm -hmm. All right. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly. Sorry, we're out of time. I had to yes. cut you off there. Did marijuana just become legal in St. Louis? <laughs>
Some legal experts say it might as well be after a recent announcement. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Now to a story I still don't understand. Melania Trump wore a jacket this week when she went to see kids at an immigration shelter. The jacket reads, you can kind of see the writing on the back there. The back of it reads, I don't really care. Do you? Okay, it's not like she painted that on there. This jacket's for sale online, same style, same color, same everything. But why? Okay, optics are just off with that messaging, fellas. Why? Uh, Have you guys heard? Why would you even do that? I don't know uh, why when you're going there with that message. Well, and it's further evidence that there doesn't seem to be an adult in charge in the Trump White House. I thought she was. You know, the reality, was. well, you know, and, and a lot of us have felt sympathetic for her because we feel like she's a hostage. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the First Lady, uh, this was in poor taste. I don't know that what message she was trying to send by doing this. But, I mean, come on, you're going to the border after you just got your husband to change the thing, and this is the message you're sending? Someone needs to be helping these folks. They're not thinking things through, and visuals and words matter. John, one of her aides actually said, don't read too much into it. It's just a jacket she was wearing. You don't leave with a jacket that says that when you're going to an immigration center when right. your husband is in the middle of all this. And you don't wear a jacket that's only $39. I mean, what was she thinking? Wow. Uh, but, you know, the, the politics of this thing are, are just not good. And you, you would typically have somebody in a White House. And look, Donald Trump's political instincts are generally good. Uh, but everybody has bad instincts sometimes. Now, I don't know if that was Donald Trump's decision or Melania Trump's decision to wear that thing. But somebody somebody should have flagged that and said, eh, I don't think that's such a good idea, you know, and, and it didn't happen. And, and maybe well, it's just a lack of, of political acumen well, in, the, in the White House. In fairness, it is the same people who put together statements like there's good people on both sides of a white supremacy debate. Mm. So, I mean, okay. this is a perpetual problem in the Trump Here's administration. Here's what I find interesting. I'm married, you're married. Never mind. Um, <laughs> He's he never going to be married. When I leave the house and I look stupid... My wife's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you, I'm sure yours is the same, right? She like calls every, you back in. every three days. Every day, right? You got to have somebody around you who can do that. That's what you guys do for a living in the political world. So talking about optics, here's another one. Take a look at this video from this past week. Shame! 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 Okay, it's shame, dark in there, but in case shame, you can't figure out what this shame, is or haven't heard, on the same day of all this family separation stuff was happening, I mean the penultimate day of all this. The head of the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, decides, Homeland, Security. Homeland Security, I apologize, decided to go out and eat at a Mexican restaurant with her security detail. John, again, you have to have somebody to say, maybe well, not the best day to go to yeah. a restaurant that's about the border. And I normally have sympathy for public figures who are trying to have a personal moment in their life. When a secretary of, uh, of, a, of an administration gets no free time, she deserved what happened to her in this thing. I mean, that's the most tone deaf, but again, it's Donald Trump. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, there's really nothing to say here. It's uh, weird, you, yeah. you, You've got to have the political acumen to be able to flag these things. And these are unforced errors. The, the jacket, the Mexican restaurant, these are unforced errors. And, and part of the job of a political professional is to reduce the number of unforced errors that your clients commit, and that didn't happen here. here. Okay, very quickly, only 30 seconds here, but I gotta get this story in, because I teased it. The circuit attorney getting criticized for dropping, not pursuing certain marijuana cases. Some legal experts tell me, hey, if you can't be prosecuted, police know it makes no sense to arrest you. It's pretty much legal. 
Gentlemen, you can't arbitrarily pick which laws to enforce, can you? Well, apparently you can. Oh, you can. And we have in the past, and that was part of our debate at the beginning of the night. It's 100 grams of marijuana that if you're caught with, that's about three and a half ounces. That's a lot of marijuana. That's not somebody who's using it for recreational use. That's somebody who's distributing. But I think ultimately we should be legalizing marijuana. Well, you know, the failure to prosecute marijuana is one thing, and I, I disagree with the decision. But we've got murderers walking the streets and getting lenient sentences out of the city. The city att circuit attorney's office is broken, and it is, it is causing real problems in this community. Back to the perception we talked about earlier. Got to fix it all. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, it is time for final thoughts. He's apparently got a good final. He's well, been, I've got one. Been talking about it all day today, so here we go. Kind of excited about final thoughts today. I mean, he's called the producer 22 times and all excited. I have about a feeling this. I'm going to take a bruise. You think so? He's well, guess do. who's up first for final thoughts? Well, you know, Brown, oh, uh, no. I like insight here in this segment to bring some real insight. Okay. And I think we would all agree that the president's hair is a thing of marvel. Uh, the, the fine art that's involved, you know, the intricate weaving, the, the, the height of human engineering. And the president had an off week this week with the hair. You got the puff going on on the outside there. The usually cool and, and great vibe looking back tail there is kind of <laughs> disheveled. Uh, he's got the hairs that are out of place there. He's talking to Mike Parson. And remember, I remembered something Kelly told me years ago. What's that? You should always take a vacation. Clearly, the presidential quaffmeister has taken a week <laughs> off. There he is at the rally over here, Brown. He's, uh, he's, the hair is it's not doing it for me. The, what is usually the finest in human engineering didn't quite make it. Let's get the, let's get the quaffmeister back. You got 10 seconds. Well, <laughs> I chose not to do John Hancock's hair for the day, so okay. I'm going to take the day off. There too. you have it. Vacation is on. Happy birthday, by the way, big guy. Happy Thank birthday. You. Thank you. 29. And thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. You can always download it for your smartphone. Just search Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.